poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, 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 everybody, to this very special Poker Coaching Edition of Tactical Tuesday. Uh, today, we are going to be breaking down maybe a record number of hands. I don't know if we've ever broken down this many hands um, in our lives, actually. You're gonna, we're going to break down a, a hand that starts with a flop C-bet um, overbet. We're going to face a river jam with a second nut flush and a four flush run out. Always super fun. Uh, we're going to turn top pair, top kicker after facing a big flop C bet with ace high. Going to check back an over pair on a connected board as the pre-flop raiser. And you're going to get the old flopping ace king high in a four bet pot IP as the pre-flop raiser scenario. So that's, that's going to be coming at you um, in this poker coaching tactical Tuesday edition. Uh, I am, Coach Brad Wilson, I'm joined by my co-host of Tactical Tuesday, as always, Mr. John Chai. John, how you doing, sir? Very good. How are you? Doing very well. Um, doing very well. Uh, good morning to everybody here in the chat. Um, just, you know, it's easy on, on Tactical Tuesday to, to listen to all the episodes and think, wow, John, like, he always brings these hands where he, he just gets stacked again and again. Is he actually like good at poker? I, I don't know. Um, so just wanted to kind of, you know, g- give you guys an insight into to John's abilities playing six max online cash. He's my most successful student of all time. I guess, arguably, uh, Shu is pretty successful as well. Both, both John and Shu, those are my, my prized pupils. Um, you know, we've been had a coaching relationship for the past uh, three years. He's John is, you know, a partner in my CFP. So he's done all the things as it relates to, to student coach relationship. So John is, uh, he actually is good at poker. I know that's shocking to some people. Um, but if you look at his graph, he, he's, he's very, very successful. So now after building John up, let's dive into these hands, um, here on tactical Tuesday. And we're going to be doing our best to, um, we're going to be doing our best to answer the chat, but we're, we're not used to juggling two balls at one time and having a chat to answer to. So we'll maybe look at that after we look at each individual hand. Um, thank you to poker coaching, uh, premium subscribers who have given us this treasure trove of hands to break down and throwing us, you know, all, all the challenges, um, the gauntlet, uh, this hand number one is going to be quite an interesting hand and under normal circumstances would probably just talk about this for an hour straight. So, um, here, everybody folds to cut off six max online cash. I believe it's 50 cent a dollar are the stakes. The hero opens in the cutoff to 2.5 bigs and the big blind calls. Looks like the big blind is an unknown. And we get the six, seven deuce uh flop so hero flops the enough flush draw villain checks and now we're at our first decision point right we have um just a total wide spectrum of sizes i think that we can choose from 
So, yeah, this feels like a spot already just facing check on the flop that we could spend days talking about CBET strategy here and, and what size to use. Um, at the end of the day, I think it just kind of all boils down to there are lots of very, very good CBET strategies for this flop texture um, cutoff versus big blind in a single raise pot. Um, I think the one that I used to use when I was playing 100 and L, which was not that long ago, it was like two and a half years ago, it would just be to start out with a third on the flop um, and then use different, use larger sizes on the turn in the river. Um, so that, I think that's like one you know, kind of very standard way to go. I think you could start out with like a bigger C-bet and construct a C-betting strategy that has um, some bigger sizes and maybe a few more checks. Um, so yeah, just infinite ways you can go on this board. Yeah, and I think what's what's most important here as it relates to the size that you choose, um, because if you go to, you know, um, any of the solvers where you can look at the strategy and you'll see that like there's a spectrum of sizing options you could choose from, you know, small to overbet, What's most important is that you choose a size, you choose a strategy that you know how to deploy and that you're not going to fail when deploying that strategy, right? So like, instead of, um, you know, if if the preferred size in a solver is 150, right? But you don't actually know how that size works because it's a rare size and you don't deploy it that often, then you're, you're gonna fail a lot as it relates to deploying that seabedding strategy successfully. So to me, it's always most important that you know what your c-betting strategy is and you know how to play downstream and you know how to play facing a flop check call, facing, facing a flop check raise. Um, you know what to do on different equity shifting turns after you see about a specific size. Um, and I think that like we, we've kind of gotten to the point in solver land where it's like, oh, there, we have like five different sizing options here. Well, if you have five different sizing options as your strategy, you're your strategy is going to fail very, very often and very, very frequently because you don't know how to manage your range with all of those various sizes. So I think like the right answer here as it relates to like the sizing that you choose um, is directly related to your ability to use that sizing successfully on future streets and also know how to defend um, versus a spectrum of future actions after you use that size. And that is the most important thing here as it relates to what size you should use is your comfortability, your familiarity with using these different flop C-bet sizes. Um, yeah. And and like John said, a few years ago, he just bet a third on pretty much every board. I don't even think he had a big bet size on any board in the two-bet pot IPPFR. And he felt very, <laughs> it's funny, uh, I feel like we're like making some kind of commercial. He felt very insecure about that, John did. But then he realized, oh, one day, um, he realized like, I know how to manage. I know what to do on like all the turns. I know how to defend versus flop check raises. I, I know like what my range and what my strategy looks like holistically. And and that actually moved the needle more than, you know, using the the solver preferred uh, bet size as a C bet, like understanding your strategy, how to manage it, all of these things. Just it's really, really, really valuable. And I don't hear it talked about enough. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as I've played more and more online poker, that's like one of the things that I'm more and more sure about every day is that like the ability to execute my strategy is much more important than what the solver tells me the EV of my strategy is or or the EV of the strategy that I can't execute. And like ability to execute kind of goes hand in hand with simplicity. And I think like those are those are probably like, you know, other than the strategy just being, you know, plus EV overall, like those are probably the two things that I consider the most when I'm deciding what to do in a 
in a in a hand or a spot is do I understand all the things that happen downstream after I take this action after I see about this size? Do I know how I'm going to respond to a big check raise or a small check raise after I see about this size? Um, just like having the answers and thinking about all those things, I think are is is really important to uh, just playing like a, a holistically sound and, and strong strategy. Otherwise, you 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 end up in a lot of nodes that you're you're unsure about, right? You you start out with a C bet size here because the solver tells you to C bet, and then you don't know what to do on flush completing turns or overcard turns or straight straight completing turns or board pairing turns because you know you maybe the only part of the node that you've studied here is like the flop C bet size. Yep, I agree, and um, I think that just to kind of ha hammer the point home before we. Actually, <laughs> look at the the flop C bet size that uh, Hero uses here. Um, you know, in my, my jujitsu coach talks a lot about simplicity and fundamentals as it relates to um, jujitsu, and a thing that like people kind of overlook uh, as it relates to simplicity. You know, John felt insecurity because his strat was so simple, but whenever something is simple right? Especially as it relates to um, poker and fundamentals, there's a path to mastery. Right. So like, I think a lot of times we just think something simple and we're like, oh, we got it. So we move on. We don't spend enough time thinking about that simple thing or mastering that simple thing, like pre-flop strategy, um, et cetera. And the reality is like when something is simple, there's a path to mastery. And when there's a path to mastery, there is no excuse to messing it up. And so I think we allocate just way too much time on the complex things and way too little time on the simple things, just, you know, in general. So here we go. Hero's going to overbet the flop. Um, this is, you know, a strat that we do use, but kind of rare. Um, it, it's a pretty rare thing. I think typically we uh, are deploying the, the flop overbet on um, like eight to 10 high boards, eight, nine, or 10 high boards. I think this, this board is like reasonable to start out with an overbet. Um, it, it's definitely going to be a thing in Solverland. And, you know, this hand is a good candidate for overbetting the nut flush draw. So I think like, I don't have any bones to pick with this size, you know, other than just like if, uh, if the, the poker coaching premium subscriber who submitted the hand, um, I would just ask them like, do you understand the holistic strategy downstream after using this size? That that's the most important thing in my opinion. Um, so now the big blind calls. And uh, I think that like, yeah, big blind calling here when you overbet is going to have a really big effect as to the type of hands that they continue with. So like essentially when you choose the big bet or the overbet here um, on seven, six deuce with the seven, six of hearts, your ace high uh, equity is going to go down significantly compared if you would have bet a third. If you bet a third, your ace high is going to have a fair amount of equity at showdown. Like you could probably check the turn and bluff catch rivers if you really wanted to with ace high, depending on the run out at some frequency. But when you start out with overbet, now the value of your ace high has just kind of plummeted substantially. Um, and this eight is probably a donkable card for the big blind. Like they, this is a card that like just the hands that they defend facing that flop big bet. Um, this hand, this, this card is going to improve very, very many of them. So it's like, a, it's pretty favorable to the, uh, to the big blind and also not super favorable to the hero because hero, a big part of the overbet flop, uh, strat for hero is going to be the overpairs. And this eight is going to reduce the equity that their overpairs have. Yeah. If we think about the hands that, um, the big blind is going to call facing the big bet, it's probably going to be lots of hands like front door draws, heart draws, four, five, eight, nine maybe a hand like 9, 10, even um, 10, 8, 
seven, eight, probably hands like strong top pairs, like seven X and then um, whatever over pairs they don't three by preflop, which can include like eights and nines, I guess, given that this is a cutoff open. Yep. So yeah, this turn overall, I think is just like Brad said, is is pretty bad for our range, but especially bad when we start out with flop over bet. So that would be like the first thing that, or the thing that I'm keeping in the forefront of my mind facing uh, whatever the big blind decides to do here. Oh, I would be, I would, I would think my lucky stars if they check the turn and probably end up just checking back like most hands in my range that aren't like, I, I think the, the worst hand that I would value bet here um, would be six, seven, probably top two. Yeah. I think top two um, potentially nines, I guess like an, an over pair that also has uh, the open ender and blocks their straights might be, might make it in there or tens maybe since tens don't block eight nine the the open ender but i would not bet aces kings queens jacks or ten or aces kings queens or jacks so like my my value bet would be threshold would be pretty high here um and, and i don't think i would bet like ace five of hearts i think if i did uh bet with you know my the low equity portion of my range it would be something like ace four of clubs ace five of clubs maybe so like a flop backdoor um yeah f- some sort of like backdoor fluster on the flop that i decide to to chunk into my overbet range and then um also bet the turn yeah that- i think i like i categorize those hands as like bluffs that are not painful to bet fold on the turn yeah um and ace five would be a very very painful hand to you know get check jammed on or check Eh, I guess check raise is fine depending on the size that you pick as long as they don't as long as they don't jam. But you know, for example, going big here with ace five getting jammed on would be just horrific. And so we want to make sure that when we are C betting the turn, that we're not forced to fold out huge amounts of equity, like this combo yep. draw here. And that when we do fold, it's going to be like relatively low low equity hands, like ace four of clubs, just the you know, overcard and a gutter or something like that. That's you know, likely doing very, very poorly versus their check raising range. Yes. So with all of this said on do six seven eight with the six, seven of hearts hero has ace five of hearts. I would be checking the turn. Um, hero here decides to go for big over bet, almost two X. It's like 175 percenter. Um, that is a, that is a chunky, chunky over bet. Um, and I think like one thing that you mentioned here is it relates to, uh, you know, facing a check raise that you don't want to fold your equity. Hero actually choose, chose a size where villain's only reasonable raise size would be jam, yep. which is an utter disaster here with the ace five of hearts. Like facing a jam would be like the last thing that you would want to face um, in this spot. And so when you create a scenario where the out of position player uh, is only going to have a, when they raise, they're only going to jam, that is, that is like quite the, quite the bad spot with ace five of hearts. So I would not do this. Um, yeah. At least with this, I hand. think out of like all the sizing options you have on the turn, this size is probably one of the worst ones because of the fact that they can't race to any other size than jam here, and they're probably very likely to jam. You know, big portions of their range here that a five is doing pretty well against. If you imagine hands like seven eight jamming here or six seven or something like that, like yeah. that's pretty that's pretty terrible for us. Um, and so yeah, I mean. It's, it seems like the main like the main lesson here is when you have a hand with this much equity, it's actually important to start thinking about like protecting your equity, right? Not getting blown blown off of it. And overbetting the turn here, leaving the only raise size for the big blind to be jam is sort of like the opposite of 
protecting your equity. You're putting it, you know, as far out at risk as you can pretty much possibly put it out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, those are the reasons why, like, I'd be happy to maybe not even go this big, but just like big bet of hand, like ACE4, where if I get check raised or jammed on, it's like a, it's a very, very easy fold um, and save like the, you know, the very high equity combo draws or just very high equity draws as, as a flop check back. And, you know, once I overbet the flop, I actually feel, you know, pretty good about checking back, like even strong flush draws and stuff. Like one of the parts, one of the components or one of the factors, um, downstream factors that comes into play once you overbet the flop is that you've already folded out all of their air. Um, they, you just like don't have very many fold targets once they check call overbet on the flop and the turn is an eight. So like, I, I'm pretty like hard pressed here to like think of a hand that's going to call overbet on the flop and then fold to an overbet on the turn eight. Maybe yeah. like if you get really lucky with like seven X, like finding a fold here or something like that, that's, that's what you're, that's what you end up targeting. Um, but right. yeah, I think even fold targets here for, for this size are pretty narrow. Right. And like when, when you two X, you know, the, when, when you two X essentially like you're trying to generate in this case, you, you, they have a lot of equity, so it's not so much um, like 60% folds, but it's going to be like 45% folds or 40% folds. And um, so essentially like if you're targeting like seven X, uh, so like what was flop top pair, um, you need seven X to be like 40% of their flop call range. And that's just like almost never going to be the case. Right. So like essentially it's just hard to, hard to turn a profit um, with this, this turn bet and you're putting your equity like super duper way at risk. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll wrap this hand up because it's going to be pretty trivial after this. Uh, River pairs the seven and they check and now hero checks again. What, what happened when we overbet the flop and overbet the turn is like we have almost no available uh, fold targets on the river. So like, you know, we don't, we don't get the bluff ace high here and, and ace high also just doesn't have much equity because of how big we bet on the flop and the turn, which creates like a really bad river situation for us where we can't bluff and we don't have equity. And so we essentially just like check and lose. Um, so we do check and we do lose to the queen deuce of hearts, um, which is probably the most brutal hand to lose to in this scenario. It's it's a hand that would call the turn, but <laughs> that, that would call the turn and fold to a river bet. Um, one of the one of the rare ones. Yeah. That uh that actually beat us. <laughs> I think like that there are hands like Jack Ten of Hearts would, would probably call the turn and, and you know fold the, to the river bet, but we our ace high beats them. Um, all right. So hand number one, easy peasy. Twenty minutes in the books. Uh, let's move on to hand number two. I feel like we could spend like 20 hours on that hand, honestly. Yes, we, we probably could. But for the sake of our sanities, we, we probably shouldn't. Um, <laughs> so hand number two, five-handed uh, heroes opening in the hijack with the king 10 offsuits, uh, king of spades, 10 of diamonds. They face a min three bet from a whale in the small blind and the red cold calls four big blinds from the big blind. Hero calls. I don't think there's really anything to discuss here. Heroes getting just infinite to one on their money and they have position and all these things. I, I do think like worthy of discussion, this reg flat, uh, flatting the three bet cold with the action still open generally isn't a thing. However, in these circumstances, I think it's, it's something that like, you know, I kind of, I kind of see students do, um, I kind of see like wolves do occasionally where they'll fold a hand that is like completely reasonable to flat with in the big blind here, because they're 
technically calling a three bet cold. Um, and I think that like villain being a whale here, you just need to have some flats, some, some cold flats of three bets to four big blinds. And like you're protected by the hijack, um, you're protected by, by the hijack under four betting due to the whale three betting because whales tend to call four bets very, very often. So here, like with King 10, four betting, not the greatest of ideas because the whale almost always calls and now we're building a gigantic pot with King 10 off and that's quite bad. So anyway. Someone in the chat actually brought up a good point that this is like a pretty loose open to begin with. And I think that's that's something that I didn't even think about the first time around here. But like, yeah, King 10 offsuit would not be a would not be a MP open for me at six max. It's a good observation. Nice. We get a good flop though. The 10-4-5. Really good flop. Mono. So 10-4-5 of spades. Hero's got second enough flush draw, top pair. Just they got the world. The whale bets half pot. Um, I mean. <laughs> I would be surprised if the whale didn't bet exactly half pot. That that's a very, very whaley size. Um, big blind calls and hero overcalls. I there's just nothing for hero to do here other than call. They, yeah, just ra raising is pretty much off the table because you're not going to get called by worse. Um, so hero overcalls and, and they have a lot of equity. Turn is a king of clubs, so that's quite the, the nice turn. Hero turns top two pair with the second nut flush draw, so how could they lose? Um, there's 30 bigs in the middle. Check, check. Hero bets half pot-ish. So 16 into 30. I guess we can talk about hero size here, right? Because I think yeah. like... Every action up to this point is um, fine. Yep. However, I, yeah. sizing here on the turn? Um, don't like this sizing because of the fact that we're playing, mostly because of the fact that we're playing versus a whale. Um, I think once the turn gets checked through to us like this, we just always have the best hand or have the best hand like 99% of the time. Um, so feel really, really good about value betting this hand. When I'm playing versus a whale and have a super strong hand, like top two pair, and I'm value betting, um, I'm gonna be sizing up to as big as I think I can, as big as I think I can go. So I think the smallest size here that I would probably end up using is something like 70. And you know, if I saw myself betting like pot or even like a slight over bet here, I think that would be completely reasonable. Lots of worse hands that we can call get called by. Lots of pair plus draw, a lot of combo draws that you know might include like the ace of spades or something like that um, that we can target on the turn and just really trying to go for max value here, maybe even set up for stacks on the river. Nice. Yep. Uh, chat says two-thirds pot on the turn. I think two-thirds pot is pretty good. You know, if you bet two-thirds here, like 20 bigs, you're going to set up a one-to-one -one SPR versus the whale, which I think is nice. Um, well, so with that said, you know, I'll probably go like 24 bigs, something like that to make it just a little bit under pot on the river for my jam. But mm -hmm. yeah. With the whale involved, I would definitely size up on the turn. Um, whale folds and the red calls. And Hero gets the jack of spades on the river. So congratulations, Hero. You have upgraded the street better of your on hand. Every yeah, you, you, you went from two pair to a flush. Woohoo. Um, and the red donk jams. So Oh, come on. <laughs> Not this. Uh, the classic. The, the classic donk jam here on the the four flush um i don't know that i have much analysis or things to say here 
I yeah, think just uh, flexible, you just have to fold. Yeah, you just have to fold. Like you, um, even though it, it is the second nuts, uh, the problem here is that you could have the nut flush, right? Like the, the hero in this spot could easily have the nut flush from the reg's perspective. And, and so like they just don't jam anything that isn't the nut flush here. They have to essentially call the turn in the hopes that the river's a four flush while also hoping that you don't have the nut flush, flop the nut flush or have the, have had the nut flush draw in order to generate some folds. And that parlay is just... Not. Yeah, I think like I would just simplify that thought process like even one step further. It's just like how how does the big blind have bluffs here? Yeah, it's just it's like impossible, right? They have to check call the turn <laughs> with with like something that's gonna that's gonna bluff them. Like there just isn't there just isn't a single hand that I could think of. Maybe I'm missing something, but it's it's really really hard for me to think of a bluff that the big blind can have here. And again, like Brad said, this is a spot where we're we're protected by having the ace of spades in our range. So like for them to jam here is like especially ballsy, given that it's not like you know, we're devoid of the nuts here in any way. And, you know, when you think about that too, it's like, oh, hey, like I have the nuts here pretty frequently. I actually can just call when I have the nuts if this guy, it does have like a bluffing range on the on the river somehow. <laughs> but I don't think he has a bluffing range on the river. This is just, I mean, what, what, what could, what can he get to the river with that's, that's, that needs to bluff, right? I mean, I, I can tell you like, you know, for, for those of you in the chat, like I've been playing poker for a very long time. You know, I, like I, I've been playing poker so long that like this this hoodie is actually like carapace it's grown out of my skin it's not even my it's part of my my skin um at this point like i have never called the bet on the turn thought to myself oh wow it's really easy for villain to have the nuts on this river and said okay cool now i'm just gonna go all in <laughs> like that is just, that thought process has never happened in my life um so yeah uh <laughs> Looks like the, the most savage four or five of hearts. Th that would be the type of hand that you would need to find. You would need to find like a flop set or bottom two pair that didn't that that called the bet and then didn't bet the flop, like bottom two. Uh, maybe oh, didn't a, raise the flop. Didn't raise yeah, didn't raise the flop, a flop flush that didn't raise the flop. It's just yeah, you're just they're just gonna have the nut flush here like so, so, so often. Um, and even if they don't have it like every single time, this is a spot where like even if you know I'm getting bluffed here at small frequency of the time, it's like I'm totally okay with it right. because of they, just how I mean, hard it is to have a bluff here. They they need more than a 33% bluffs, right? It's it's like 34 yeah. 34% of their range needs to be bluffs, and there's like there's not a way. There, there's not a world where that ever. Yeah, happens. there's no. Yeah, can't imagine calling here with the king of spades and winning a third of the time. Yeah. Oh, hero called. Oh, they had the ace of spades. Oh, Thank no. God. I didn't even look at the result. We we could have looked like fools. <laughs> been really sad if they just showed up with like green jack yeah. here or something. Everybody in the chat, everybody in the chat's like, are, are these guys any actually any good? And we break all that down and they just they just have a bluff. Like, oh, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, that, would, like, that would have been painful. Would have been painful. Um, hand number three. Hand number three. So ace jack of clubs. You you can break down the action, John. You can you can talk some. Yeah. All right. Ace Jack opens. Hijack to an FX. Everything. Oh, sorry, sorry. Hijack opens to an FX. We're in the Good try. big Good try. line with Ace Jack. <laughs> I was looking at the chat. Well, like you said, we can't juggle two balls at once here. Um, yeah. can either way here with Ace Jack suited. Three bet call. Um, 
were much deeper than usual, I guess. Um, again, I don't think that changes much, honestly, with Jack of clubs. If I saw a student call here, would be fine with it. If I saw a student three bet here, would be fine with it. All right. We decide to call. Okay. So Jack of clubs, 5.5 bigs in the pot. Flop is 7-8 deuce rainbow with one club. We check and... Face a big bet. That's big. Yep. So yeah, I guess this, this, this is... is first decision point yeah this is probably like close to like the lowest equity type of hand that i'm continuing and maybe you can make an argument that a hand like jack 10 is like lower equity than ace jack but um you know you guys kind of get the point that like hands that like don't have a front door draw these are these are like the, the lowest equity hands that i'm continuing hands that have you know over cards backdoor not flush draw um this hand also has like a backdoor straight draw too so i think calling here with ace jack of clubs is the way to go yeah it's okay i'm like I think folding is like totally reasonable, to be honest, facing the big bet here out of position, um, facing hijack, big bet on seven, eight deuce. The the problem is that like when villain bets big here, they're they're pushing a lot of equity and like we like our ace is almost certainly good. The jack, I'm not sure. The jack also completes like nine ten. So do we capture additional bluffs on the jack? Um, how do we even feel when the turns of jack and villain bets big? Like probably not great. Um, so I, I don't know. Like I'm Facing small bet, this is a call all day. Uh, facing big bet, I'm really on the fence um, with just a backdoor backdoor nut flush draw. But as John said, this is you know our best backdoor draw. Um, so it's cuspy, cuspy, cuspy. All right, hero does call in this case. Um, I like it. Yeah, John likes it. I'm less ecstatic about it. Uh, oh, let's go. Yeah, hero turns to jack. So congratulations, you, you get your wish. Um, there is now like third, close to fourteen bigs in the pot. Um, man, there's two hundred big blinds behind. Hero checks. Now villain bets like seventy five percent again um, on the turn. Congratulations, you, you got what you wanted. Yeah, I'm calling seventy five percent on the flop with ace jack high. Probably calling seventy five percent on the turn with uh, top pair top kicker. <laughs> Not, not like you said though i'm not loving it right i'm like okay we, we we we're losing to like the hijacked value range here very very likely right like yeah. we're not we're bluff catching versus their bluffs we're not like hoping to beat any of their value unless maybe they you know start doing this with like a king jack of hearts or something like that that has like a back or flush draw on the flop or maybe just yeah. c bets king jack or something like that scotty um, scotty melts hopefully you the... could also have hands like jack nine and jack ten that that might value on themselves here versus our exact hand. So can't, can't fold the Jack here. Yeah, we can't fold. Uh, Scotty Meltzer said, what does the Jack captures nine ten mean? Um, I meant the Jack completes uh, nine ten. It completes the, the front door open in the straight draw. Um, so hero calls, there's nothing to do here other than call and actually be like kind of very terrified. Um, River pairs the seven, which frankly is, a better card for hero actually it's quite good for hero now that i think about it so heroes like front door uh like 7x of diamonds that would call the flop c bet and then call the turn c bet um do get upgraded to trips uh so i think the big blind here definitely is going to have a trips advantage um on the seven i don't think that the hijack is going to have 7x in the range other than like boats um like seven eight or you know, sets of eights that, that are boats. Uh, so like, I do think the seven is better for us than them. Um, with that said, uh, how does that help us? 
<laughs> how does that help our situation here? Um, if the if the seven is better, I think it's for good. Us I mean, it's them. like you said, just like reduces reduces the value combos that would go big bet, big bet on the flop and turn, and that's good. I mean, we still have a hand that is maybe can beat some hands that like value on themselves on the river. Again, like we said, if like King Jack and Jack Ten barrel that the turn, like I think you might find them value betting the river some of the time. Um, Jack Ten maybe a little, Jack Nine and Jack Ten a little bit thinner, but like King Jack, I think can pretty comfortably value bet the river. Um, and then we just do, we still do beat like whatever bluffs they have, right? Like backdoor diamonds that bet the flop, turn flush draw on the side to keep barreling. Um, I don't know, maybe like a hand like five, six, four, five, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like those those types of hands. So I think I would just happily check ace jack here and bluff catch versus all the normal sizes. Okay. All right. That's fair. Um, I do think like there is, there is, I guess it's, it's too fancy, and I think ace jack is just too strong. But if you had like jack 10 or jack 9, you could turn your top pair into a bluff facing like a small bet um, on this seven river if you really wanted to get frisky. Mm-hmm. Just punish yeah. villains for betting their over pairs too thinly at this depth um, on a card that, you know, significantly like it just, it just gives us a lot of uh, very strong hands on the river, and they don't have a ton of very strong hands on the river. So you, you could check, check jam. Uh, with like Jack 10, Jack 9. I just think Ace Jack is just too good to, to yeah, turn into yeah, a bluff. Yeah. Um, turn the Jack X's that don't beat the King Jacks or Jack 10, Jack 9's themselves into bluffs on the river. Also, it's just nice when you have a 10 and a 9 in your hand. It just, you know, makes it less likely that villain has a straight to snap you off on the river with. Yeah. Hero, hero uh, led with Ace, Ace Jack 10%. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not the craziest thing. Like it could, you know, it's, it's a decent block. They get to over-realize their equity. They're probably not going to face a raise that often. Um, hard to get called by worse, but when you place a bet this small, I, I think that getting to over-realize is like quite, quite good. Um, so, and also you're- Over-realize kind of, in what way? Like, uh, well, you don't fold to a river bet. So like a- any size river I bet. Um, and you, you're also like setting your price. Right, like you're setting your price here to make it to showdown. Um, so I don't know. I, I it's not. I a thing. would like challenge the over realizing thing a little bit because, like, I, like I said, I was planning on check calling, right? So I wasn't like I was not planning on getting shut out of my equity anyways. And like the when I can't check call, it's when I face like a really really big river bet. Like let's just say they decide to go huge for some reason. And I think like that probably happens maybe at a comparable frequency to like when we block the river and then get raised and like are in a tough spot with Ace Jack anyways. So I don't know. I. I can see the the reasons for like blocking here. It does like freeze the action. It does like maybe let you over realize like a little bit if you don't get raised. You know, the villains aren't raising here thinly with hands like ace jack or queens or stuff like that. queens, kings, aces. Then like, you know, blocking like this goes up in value uh, a lot. Um, yeah. But the downside of that is that you just have to remember that like when you block this, like you might freeze the action versus the over pairs, but you're also not giving hands like diamonds, five, six, four, five an opportunity to bluff the river themselves. And so like, there is like a push and pull here with whatever. And then like the final thing for me, like the final decision here, like the final data point, I guess, or or factor here that would lead me to like, not really have a donking range or not, not block, not lead block this river is um, something that we talked about in the ACE five of hearts hand, where it just like adds a humongous layer of complexity to like your, your overall strategy, right? Like now you need a strat here for like facing a small raise, facing a big raise, uh, you know, you need a strap for like what other hands do I like donk here that are not ace jack that you know incentivize villain to like bluff raise or you know call with a bluff catcher like jack ten. Um, so basically, like you know, even with like a few few future 
out outcomes, you can see like how much extra complexity having a donking range here adds versus just check calling a versus just check calling ace jack versus yeah. a range that you know I am very very confident is is gonna have bluffs in it or slightly worse value bets. So yeah, like, and, I really uh, like check calling here and all right the donk. So for uh for devil's advocate, you know I I just made a a course for poker coaching's advanced cash game course that's gonna be coming out you know in the next month or so. Um, and one, one of the lessons was a concept that is relevant to jujitsu, um, Kazushi. And, and I think like one, one interesting thing that could happen here w is uh, villain could have an imbalance river strategy where, you know, somebody in the chat um, asked about what do we do facing a raise uh, if we donk? Well, one thing that's interesting here is, is that like if the overpayers don't raise for value, um, then what does raise for value, right? Like you're going to, your plan is to check call and capture um, capture a bet versus their like busted diamond draws, right? Their queen tens or um, king ten of diamonds, th those type of hands. Well, if this bet doesn't get raised by their overpairs, but then does get raised by their diamond draws, then you know you basically can place this bet, lose the minimum versus their overpairs, while also still capturing EV from their diamond draws, um, theoretically speaking. So. That's just another like sort of uh, just thing that could happen here in this spot. But yes, as you said, like the complexity by having like a 10th, 10th pot size donk bet here on the river, if you're going to deploy it, then you need to really understand like how this node works and really have a good plan for what's going to happen when, when you face a spectrum of actions and all while not blowing yourself to smithereens, um, which... Spoiler alert, I think most of the times we just blow ourselves to smithereens here. But hopefully, if you do take the Wiley Coyote approach and, and blow yourself up, uh, you use that as an opportunity to learn. Um, oh, we get called. Nice. Yeah, we get, we got called by Queens. So. Oh, okay. Okay. So if this is what happens, like then blocking Ace Jack for a 10th is amazing. This is just like, and, and this is probably like a little more of like, you know, having familiarity with the pool and like the, the players that you play against on a, on a regular basis. But like, if, if you're, if you feel very confident that they're just not going to do a good enough job of raising Queens plus on this river facing 10% donk, then um, yeah, I would do this all day with ace Jack. I thought, I thought this hand was going to raise river for sure. They're deep. You know, they, they probably don't want to set up a situation where they, they face a bet three bet if, yeah, if they yeah. do raise with Queens. So like essentially the allure of making it a showdown is just too high to, to raise with these hands. Mm. Um, from villain's perspective, like I have to yeah. imagine that's that's what's kind of going through their mind. Yeah, I didn't th um, I didn't think about all that, but if that's if if that's what Hero was thinking about in this hand and kind of using like depth to their advantage in that way, I think that's that's this is just amazing. Yeah, the that that ace though poker um, says bet call seems bad to me. Reg bluff raises rarely. So like essentially how this situation sets up, if if the reg is calling with their overpairs, that removes um, a lot of the value when they do raise the river, right? So essentially, if they're not raising with their overpairs, they're raising with their straights and they're raising with their boats. Um, they don't have that many straights and they don't have that many boats, and but they do have a large bucket of busted diamond draws or air region um, that they could essentially raise the river with. And they don't need to find a ton of those um, to the point to where like we, we get the pot odds to, to call facing a raise. Okay. So well played, well played, well played. Ten percent river bet block for the for the win. Um, okay, so here we go. We have the kings. We open from the hijack. The two point five bigs. Apparently, the hijack is the 
that's the seat that we play from the most here. Um, big blind calls. Flop is queen 10-8 with the 10-8 of diamonds. The reg checks, and now the action's here on hero. Um, check your bet. Seems... Either way. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think this board is like, again, if I saw a student check here, wouldn't think much of it. If I saw a student C-bet this board, wouldn't think much of it. Um, it's like just connected enough where, you know, I think you can start thinking about checking back hands over pairs, um, like one pair of hands like kings. Uh, if, if if this was like, I don't know, uh, jack 10-8 or something like that, then I think I'd, I'd be much more on board with checking back kings. So whatever hero does here, I'm likely going to be okay with. Okay. I'm, I, I actually like C betting here with kings, I think more than checking. Um, we have like so many hands in our range that can bet call the flop that like I'm not worried about, you know, just like I'm not worried about like protecting um, kings versus like check raises so much. I think that like on king 10 8, they probably don't have like queen 10 off. So they only have a few combos of queen 10 suited um, and then 10 8 suited. They're going to three bet queens and tens at a decent clip. Eights they probably have. So like, and then, and then like jack nine suited. And then on the flip side of that, like they're going to have jack 10, they're going to have 10 9, they're going to have 8 9, they're going to have queen jack, they're going to have king queen. So like they, they have a lot of like one pair hands that we can get value from, as well as like, you know, the ace jacks, the ace jack type hands, king jack type hands. So I think like just we have a, we have a range that can call a check raise. And I think with kings, we can just target a bunch of like single paired hands. And it's not as if like playing turns and rivers is going to be like, super difficult, right? Like, oh, the, the turn's like a spade. Well, we probably don't bet now. The, the turn is like a jack or a nine. Well, we're probably not going to bet the turn. Um, turns like a queen, 10 or eight, we're probably not going to bet. Uh, turns an ace, we're probably not going to bet. All the other turns, we're probably just going to keep betting. Um, and then if like villain check raises the turn, again, like I would ask myself, where am I at in my range? Um, where's where's kings? Like we have jack nine, we have queen 10, we have queens, we have tens, we have eights. We've got so many different hands that we can continue with that like maybe kings just turns into a bet bet fold if they raise the turn um so yeah that that would be my my strat here but hero does check behind and again i don't think there's anything terribly wrong with it my preference would be to check behind hands that uh block top pair so you know queen jack uh king queen ace queen would be my the hands that i would check over kings in general uh matthew kagan asked what matthew kagan asked what size yeah yeah, oh, yeah go for big it. uh three-fourths is what two-thirds three-fourths um that would be the size that that i would go for here on this board yeah. good question that's yeah, a great question turn is a jack so and this is another this is another part of this too where you know if you bet kings then you can capture a bet on the flop at a very very high frequency right like every time they call when you check behind and the turn's a jack, well, now you're not going to capture a bet, right? Like you don't get to bet the turn now. And so like the turn's just going to go check, check. And so like essentially you've had a value hand on the flop that you could have gotten captured a bet. And now you're not even going to be able to place one bet because the flop checked through and now there's a four straight on the turn. So that's just another like reason why I personally prefer betting the flop. Um, okay. So here on the four straight, the reg bets half pot. Hero can't really do anything. Um, so hero calls. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hero can't really do anything. He can't do anything other than... 
then like call. To. Like they, they can't they can't fold, I'd like right? To, I'd raise. like to fight that. What, what what do you want to do? I want to raise small. Yeah. yeah, I think um so Queen Jack 10 is like especially good for the pre-flop raiser, right? Like we're expected to have Ace King, the big blind never has Ace King in a single raise plot. Ace King makes a lot of sense um to fit kind of in our check back range on this board. We don't want to get check raised. We have some nut equity that we'd really like to realize, plus maybe some overcards. Um, and then I think when you loop that in with the with what I imagine the big blinds turn probe range to be on this board, which I think it's going to be split between like flush draws for their bluffs, probably maybe some some random draws that I can't think of. Um, and then their their value for this for this size, I think, is just going to be nine x. It's just going to be straights. Um, and I think what I'm worried about with kings, what I can kind of see happening downstream is that like on a brick river facing a big bet, I'm just like playing this guessing game with kings where I'm just like, I don't know how many flush draws they have. I don't know if they continue bluffing with flush draws. Maybe they only get to the river with 9x calling here with kings could be could be torching. Um, so what I'd like to do instead of play that guessing game on the river is raise small here on the turn. Um, probably get called by all their 9x, hopefully raise small enough to get called by all their flush draws and feel very comfortable that I'm never going to get bet three bet on this turn with pocket Kings because of that ace King advantage we just talked about, um, that we have in a single raise pot. Um, so my plan here would be to raise small on the turn, hopefully get called by the flush draws and then check back the river and let them win with their straights and hopefully eke out a little bit of value from their flush draws and not play the guessing game on the river versus a polar bet. Yeah. I really like that. You know, just essentially like rate, raise small. And again, over-realize, um, villains, not going to be bet three betting this board, or at least they shouldn't be. They I just can't. Bet, bet three betting is kind of suicide as the preflop caller on Queen Jack 10. So essentially, um, raise a turn, check back river, and then you can also bet the river if you improve, right? So like if the river is an ace or river is a nine, then you can still bet. Uh, Mad Sox asks, what if they donk the river? I think if they donk the river, um, it's going to be on boards that change what the best hand is. So like a Queen Jack 10 or eight or spade. Um, and if they choose to bet the river um, on those cards, then we lose. <laughs> that, that's pretty much it. Uh, okay. Good hand, John. Good find. Good and if they dump the river on not those cards, we jam? Oh, God. I don't know. <laughs> right, we'll save that for, for later. Targeting, trying to fold out um, 9x. I mean, there is a lot of depth here. So, you know, maybe, maybe that, maybe that could happen. Um, if, if we go back to, to John's graph and look at the days where he, he decided to just raise facing everything every time, um, I think he would say that that didn't end well, <laughs> trying to make a little, people... bit of, a, little, a little bit of insight into why so many of my tactical Tuesday hands end with me getting stacked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, essentially when you try to fold out straights, People just don't fold them often enough to to make money. Um, that 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 was the lesson that that he learned. Uh, Rivers a deuce and villain checks anyway. So now hero just has like very easy check behind and yep. loses to jack nine of spades. Um, so yeah, really avoided the landmine um, of not c betting the flop and getting check raised by jack nine. Uh, jack nine here for all of you watching, I think is. Um, I don't know how to put it softly into words. So the softest I'll go is this is absolutely atrocious checking Jack nine on the river here. Um, what is this guy doing in yeah, like, this is, this is uh, not good. Um, spoiler alert, just not, not good. So 
essentially what happens is they're, they're maybe they're afraid of getting raised because the imposition player has ace king. The problem yeah, he is, got scared of ace king on the river. Like that's what happens. <laughs> right, 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 right. The the problem is that ace king is still going to absolutely batter you when you check, and also heroes just going to check back all of their all of their hands that want to make it to showdown like kings um, when you when you check with the jack nine. So yeah, it's um hero. Got super fortunate. The reg here, bet your straights. You should you should bet the straights. Maybe not a reg. <laughs> maybe not a reg. Maybe maybe it's a generous tag, generous label. Okay, so we have a couple of global poker hands. We'll do two more, and then we'll we'll call it a night. As we said, you know, we're four hands in. We're this is so so many so many hands um, compared to normal tactical Tuesday. You guys are getting getting the bonus. Uh, oh, there's so many questions too, man. I think everybody is agreeing that at 100 NL, nobody folds a nine on the river. Dude, I don't, I don't know if people fold a nine at 2K NL, like, because then they know, right? Oh, they, they just, they have, they're gonna rep Ace King here like every time, all, right? So all, how, all how I know I is that, all I know is that they never fold if you never try. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> they, they never fold if you never try. Um, and I, I'll say this: I've seen people try to fold out big hands quite often. And sometimes they do fold the big hand. Like occasionally, you'll, 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 I'll, I'll be reviewing a hand and I'll be like, holy shit, I can't believe you just folded that out. Um, that's what keeps the hope alive. Yeah, that's what keeps the hope alive. All right, so there was one hand. Ah, oh, this is it, the ace-king. This fancy global poker replayer here. Um, hero Mike McHugh opens 2.5 bigs with ace-king off on the button. Small blind, tree bets to 10. Mike McHugh, four bets to 21 nice. bigs. Good, Good job. Sizing. Great sizing, Mike McHugh. You did it. And we're not being sarcastic. <laughs> like, I think people just four bet way too big in this spot and like do things like four bet to like 30 big blinds or something like that. But I think anything you know between like 20 and 22, 23 ish is, is, is the way to go when you're four betting IP. So yeah, good size, Mike McHugh. Well done, Mike McHugh. Um... Okay, so here, flop is queen, 10, 8. The small blind checks. Um, so first first thing is a better check. This is funny because we spent like, I don't know how many hours in the last month talking about queen high flops as a pre-flop for better. Uh, most of it specifically in, in these positions. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> so what we, what we spent like 10 hours talking about in the last week or so is about how the pre-flop for betting range from button does not have queen x in it or very, very little Queen X, I guess, depending on the chart that you're using. Yeah. You got to be very careful when you're playing against, for example, strong studied regs who also know that, that are that might be in the small blind when you're deciding to see about these uh, Queen high boards as a preflop four better. Yeah, like Ace Queen in general is a flat facing a three bet. Um, and But the small blind will have like King Queen, Ace Queen, uh, th those type of fans. So like, the, the queen advantage is definitely going to go to the small blind as well as like, you know, 10, like sets of tens and sets of eights is also going to be in the small blinds range. Um, so I would not bet this board with ace king high. Um, personally, as the preflop four better, uh, I, I would check this one behind um, with, with ace king specifically. And what hands am I also going to check behind? Like I'm going to have a pretty heavy check range here, I think. Um, Probably a fair amount of my like aces, uh, I think, are, are going to check behind. Um, going to check behind like a set of queens. I, I think that's probably 
a pretty sounds like checking range is just the way to go. It's the simplest path for sure. Like it's it's a path that like it makes your strategy easiest to manage. Um, in this instance, hero does start out with a fourth, I believe. There they go, and they get called. Uh, so they bet a quarter. Turn is oh boy, we got we improved. We made a pair. The turn's a king of spades. So now the board is king, queen, ten of spades, eight of hearts. And I don't think we're leaping for joy on this card. Although we are somewhat happy, right? We can't be we can't be super sad. We we did. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I mean, sorry it's a spade, but come on, it's still a king. Yeah, you, you can't, you know, beggars can't be choosers, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So we're so happy that we're almost certainly gonna check, I believe. <laughs> no. Oh wait, what I would actually bet this turn still. Yeah, just gonna go yeah. uh bet turn check jam, back river. Check back river. Yeah. I think I would bet this turn um targeting like a lot of the pair plus draw. I think like villain just has so mm. much pair plus draw mm. on this board, right? That's just like king jack, queen jack, jack ten, you know, maybe eight nine, ten nine, like all those fans just have to call facing a quarter on the turn. Sure. Um and maybe don't call facing a river bet. Like Queen Jack probably doesn't call facing, you know, a river bet, even if yeah. we check back the turn, right? But they'll definitely call the definitely call a quarter here so i think i just quarter here and fold to check raise feel very very good about folding the check raise like we have do we have flushes here <laughs> maybe not ace five we have like ace, ace, ace five of spades you know we have sets yeah we, we have, have ace five of spades yeah. yeah 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 we have like sets and so hands that have equity versus flushes and straights. so it's not like you know it's not like bet folding ace king here is, is we have uh, sets yeah like yeah yeah so bet folding ace king here doesn't feel bad i also think that like their check raise range on king queen 10 8 is just like Good luck finding enough bluffs to like make me feel bad about check folding ace king on this on this turn. So I think really I just quarter the, Yeah. Yeah. I think I just quarter the turn again and plan on checking back the river. Yeah, they they need to be I don't even know what honestly they could be raising with, like jacks with a spade. Like they, essentially they'd have to be turning a pair into a bluff to even like approach having enough low equity hands and the the like jacks with a spade just is getting going to get such a good price facing like a quarter that they actually have to go against their incentives of um calling just realizing yeah. uh, of just calling to realize to to raise and that just isn't going to happen humans just don't do that so yeah i really like i really like the the strat here just betting the turn and then stick jump. out another 11 big blinds yeah yeah stick it out ah ooh well okay good, okay. good news bad this news is, he, he, hero good. hero check behind um However, Hero made trips on the river. So now we have like a very clear, the clearest of clear value bets. They're 65.4 in the pot. Hero's got 65.3. So actually, Hero set up perfect SPR, right? <laughs> <laughs> One tenth of a big blind less than the pot. Um, yeah, just a sizing selection here on the river. I, All of it. All the all she wrote, all the money. Yeah, I think we can incredibly target hands like King Jack. I don't know what hand like Ace Queen or Queen Jack does, but let's find out. Stick all the money in and find out. Um, yep, yeah. I agree. I think there's really only one sizing option here. Um, what's actually going to happen is that um, the hero in this hand thought there were two sizing options um, instead of one, and they chose half pot on the river. Um, so this is going to be the final hand. So we'll, uh, talk about 
why you know this this size specifically is not super great. Um, the the reason, the the main reason is like well, what happens when you bet the size and villain has queens full and check the river. Or do they just have a trap, right? Not even queens full. Like if they just decide to check all their flushes, straights, and right. puts on the board pairing river, which is not that crazy. Like what what do they do? Yeah, they like just rip it in. They they rip it in every time, right? So all, all the hands that actually beat you jam. And then all the hands that you're beating call. So you win the minimum and lose the maximum by choosing the size and giving villain the option to check jam the river. Um, when, you know, yeah, you, you should just jam and, and not let this villain have this optional river to bet. Um, yeah, we have a, that's the term that we use in, in the CPG wool CFP for like these types of spots and using bet sizes like this is that you're, you're setting up what we call the optional two bet game, right? Like you're giving player 7884 the option to jam with their good hands and the option to just check call with their bluff catchers right and so like what we prefer is that we just jam and if they have a good hand we lose the same amount anyways and if they have uh they have a bluff catcher they they end up losing more and so most of the time you want to avoid setting up the optional two bet or giving the, the optional two bet option to to your opponents agreed yep and good stuff want to thank jonathan little and the poker coaching team for having us here on Tactical Tuesday. Uh, hopefully we'll do it one day again in the near future. Hit the like button, um, head over to our YouTube at Chasing Poker Greatness and check out Tactical Tuesday. We do this every week, not for an hour and not really live, but we do, uh, we, we do, do this every single week. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, one final call to action, one final plug going to be um launching a course at poker coaching uh did took me two months to do my portion of the advanced cash game course it was lots of lots of pain um but i completed it and i think it's going to be pretty good uh somebody said finish the hand so people need to know they need to know what happens um well looks like the villain's tanking Oh, and they call and they must. Can we see what they so. call? Can we see no, what we got called? We can. It's oh. global poker. Like, just be be happy that you got to see the replay. Oh man, um, I'm curious if sizing down actually had an impact. You know, did they call with like jacks here, or like you know a ten, or could be. Who knows? Um, but in my experience, just Jim. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. What it, would be really sad to see is they just call with King Jack, right? And like, that's that's what has you, you know. As you like face palming at the end of the hand or whatever. Yep. Agreed. All right. So thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. I just stole John's tagline by accident. John, you, you want to give it again? Or is yeah, it? Yeah. I'll try. I'll try again. See you next week. <laughs> All right. See you guys next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to chasing poker greatness. You can subscribe on Apple podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to chasingpokergreatness.com to get the newsletter, join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.